our strategy kind of unfolded organically. The first thing we looked at were all of these big vacant industrial buildings. And a traditional real estate developer looks at those and says the highest and best use of this is condominiums. And for a neighborhood like that, that's not the need. More housing isn't necessarily the need. Jobs are the need. So we said, let's focus first on getting the industrial buildings back online as workspaces. Let's target those jobs first. And then once as we complete those buildings and we start to fill them up with new businesses, let's actually restore the commercial corridor so there are more amenities for the current residents and the folks coming into work in these neighborhoods. Then we can focus on actually removing some of the blight and bringing some of this housing back online. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, the program that shines a spotlight on positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization in the city of brotherly love. Coming to you live from the G-Town Radio Studio on Maplewood Mall in Germantown. Here's your host, Alina DeLisser. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the show. Today, we are lucky to have two guests on our show who have come all the way from Kensington to talk to us. In the studio with me today are Bryant Riley and Matthew Grande of Shift Capital, a real estate developer with social impact here in Philadelphia. So before we jump in, just a little bit of background and bio for our audience on both of you guys. First up is Matthew Grande. Matthew is a principal and head of impact at Shift Capital, a Philadelphia-based real estate development firm that looks to increase the long-term prosperity and quality of life for residents in underserved neighborhoods through holistic real estate development. And yes, that is such a thing. And uh, prior to his role at Shift Capital, Matthew spent three years accelerating a number of business startups and nurturing multiple nonprofits. And before aligning his professional life with his life's purpose, Matthew spent 12 years more than 12 years, working for some of the world's most successful financial services firms. Matthew has a degree in civil and, and environmental engineering from Villanova. And sitting next to Matthew is Bryant Riley. Bryant is a real estate analyst at Shift. Prior to coming to Shift Capital, he was a financial analyst at PepsiCo, born and raised in Chicago. Bryant has also worked as a teacher and a team, and a team leader at AmeriCorps, in Chicago, uh, where he taught preschool. In addition to his work at Shift, uh, Bryant is also a program director at Minds Matter Philly, which is a college prep program for high-achieving, low-income students in Philadelphia. Bryant has a degree in accounting from Roosevelt University, and he is committed to being a change agent in urban communities. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Selena. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is very mm -hmm. exciting. Uh, you know, Kensington is a section of Philly I personally know very little about, and it's a neighborhood that has been in the news a lot these days because of a lot of the socioeconomic changes that are happening there. Uh, Matthew, can you give us a little bit of the history of Kensington and why it is increasingly on the radar for real estate redevelopment? Absolutely. Uh, Kensington roots are actually as a uh, as a manufacturing neighborhood. Um, 
It was once known as the workshop of the world, and believe it or not, it was actually a global hub uh, for textile manufacturing. Um, and if you drive through Kensington, you see a lot of elements of that kind of former life. You see a lot of large industrial buildings, um, even in our buildings, which were former textile manufacturing facilities, former candy factories, former lighting factories. You see all of these aspects of um, kind of the glory days of, of the manufacturing era. Fast forward to today, unfortunately, the area has suffered from, you know, its fair share of challenges, um, including uh, opioids, including um, disinvestment. Um, but the reality is kind of the roots and the foundation of Kensington are still a large population of very hardworking, family-oriented folks in, in the neighborhood. So, you know, it still has such a strong character and culture. Um, it just is at a, a stage where it kind of needs some support in, uh, in lifting it back up. Great. So, Brian, tell us a little bit about Shift Capital and what its patient approach is all about. Yes. So Shift Capital is a private equity, social impact real estate group. Um, I know that that is a mouthful, but essentially we raise money from investors. We then deploy that capital into real estate projects and develop each property through a social conscious and social impact lens. So to unpack that even further, we're not seeking to maximize profits on our rental properties uh, because our goal is to maintain affordability within the neighborhood. Uh, for our commercial properties, we give preference to nonprofits, local entrepreneurs, and agencies that can benefit the community long term. So our goal is to not to make a quick profit and leave. We're committed to being long term financial and community stakeholders within the neighborhood overall. That's great. That's a great introduction overview. So Matthew, how does Shift Capital use federal and state programs such as opportunity zones and low income tax credits to create sustainable real estate development? It's a great question. Um, to date, uh, we've actually done the majority of our development with private capital and, and traditional lenders such as banks and, and um, oh, I'm sorry, uh, such as banks and uh, CDFIs. Um, it's only been recently that we're starting to take advantage of some of these um, tax credit programs, low income housing tax credits, new market tax credits, historic tax credits, and similar incentives. Um, we see another opportunity coming in with Opportunity Zones. We have a couple of deals that we're actually focused on raising money for from some of these Opportunity Zone um, kind of fun pools. But the reality is right now we've done a lot of this work with without these incentives and only started to use them recently. Okay, okay. So uh, Kensington is like a microcosm of Philly with the extremes of poverty and you know these little micro pockets of increasing wealth. And the opioid crisis, as you kind of uh, mentioned already, has really hit the neighborhood hard. Um, can you talk about how you're navigating that those you know those challenges as a real estate developer? Yes, this is where we think it is so important to have uh, to have partners that are from the neighborhood that have been in the neighborhood for a long period of time that have a history of dealing with some of these challenges. Um, and helping folks that are that are suffering from from some of these uh, these addictions, the examples that I always point out are folks like Impact Services, the local community development corporation, folks like Prevention Point, and other service providers in there that are helping those folks deal with some of those challenges. Our role in that has really been to just help them expand from a capacity perspective. So 
actually, I think it was two years ago now, you know, Prevention Point needed expansion space. They needed more respite beds. So we had property right next door to their existing building, which we were able to renovate and lease to them to expand their capacity. So we acknowledge and recognize all those challenges, but we also realize it's really important to partner with folks that have those skills and that are um, essentially better equipped and trained to, to help folks deal with some of those really complex challenges and traumas. So one of the main ways Shift Capital is having an impact in Kensington is through the affiliation with the Jumpstart Germantown program. You guys are the leaders of Jumpstart Kensington. So can you tell us about Shift Capital's connection with the Jumpstart program? How did you become affiliated with it and why? Absolutely. I, uh, so I first met Ken Weinstein back in 2016 and um, I went to a developer's network um, and I was amazed to see not only kind of how many people were in the room, but how Ken had drawn such a diverse group of local developers to this to this forum. Um, and I remember kind of vividly Ryan Spack was the presenter and he, he was so candid and honest and transparent about real estate development, how he was successful, lessons he'd learned. And it really just showed me that like we can all work together you know, to have some of this positive change via real estate throughout Philadelphia. So later that year, Casey O'Donnell from Impact Services, Joanna Winchester and Brian Green uh, from NKCDC, myself and five of our local Kensington community members actually went through Ken's Jumpstart Germantown program. Um, we learned a lot of lessons from that and it took us almost two full years. But um, last year in 2018, we were able to, uh, to launch Jumpstart Germantown um, in partnership with Impact Services, who was able to actually get a half a million dollars from J.P. Morgan Chase to uh, to fund the kickoff of Jumpstart Kensington. Wow, that's fabulous! So the the funding from J.P. Morgan, what does that enable you guys to do, Bryant? What does that um, that underwriting? Yeah, so essentially, um, after we had acquired funding from J.P. Morgan, we were able to execute the program, right? Uh, so to date, 65 people have gone through our training program, and um, to date, over 175 people have applied. Uh, we have completed three cohorts so far, and about 50% of our cohort is, is women, and 50% is men, and 90% of all participants are our minorities, right? So we have been able to leverage the funding to help people who been, been who have been traditionally tapped out of participating in real estate uh, have the opportunity to be a part of the the change and the movement that we are currently seeing in in Philadelphia today. So, so Brian, what exactly are the geographic boundaries for the Jumpstart Kensington? Um, yes. Group. So we are located in the Harrogate neighborhood of Kensington. So we are north of Lehigh, south of Erie Avenue, east of Fifth Street, and west of Aramingo Avenue. So okay. though, yeah, that's 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 pretty much our borders. Okay, great. And so Brian, how have you, um, or Brian or Matthew, how have you tweaked the Jumpstart Germantown framework to make it um, relevant for Kensington? And why was that change necessary? Yeah, I think one of the biggest do difference that we implemented in Jumpstart Kensington was actually incorporating a class ambassador for each cohort. 
And our goal for the class ambassador is to ensure that each cohort can create intentional relationships with each other beyond the training program. So they are in charge of organizing community service events and social events for their cohort. Uh, so that's one do different. Uh, the second thing that we implemented was uh, we decided to implement a fourth training program, a fourth training session that solely focuses on on financing, which is led by Impact Services. And this is pretty much a critical part of the program uh, because it allows our participants to think like established real estate developers. So during this session, they are building out performers, they're understanding returns, debt service coverage ratios, IRRs, things that um, well-equipped real estate developers are are familiar with on a daily basis. Yeah, you guys are really giving them a, a, a good foundation into, um, you know, commercial real estate. You know, so with some of those terms you're you're mentioning, that's yeah, really yeah. that's commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. one of the awesome things about the Jumpstart program has been when we first participated in 2016, it was Ken working out of a conference table in his office with a handful of printouts. You know, Ken got a bunch of traction. Not that there's anything wrong with no, that. No, that's all, all grass. <laughs> all grassroots start that way, right? Like, um, but then you know, Ken had made so much progress that it attracted you know foundations like the Barra Foundation. It it uh, attracted inf- um, interest from LISC, and now it has been formalized. So there's a full formalized curriculum for every Jumpstart program to use, and there's also a whole guide for you to launch this in your neighborhood. So. I think this is a great example of how like something can start grassroots by kind of a single person or organization in Philadelphia and then be supported by larger or larger organizations to then grow to support the whole city. So I think just seeing the trajectory has been awesome and seeing all of these local Philadelphia organizations kind of help it get to the point where it's gotten to today. Yeah, it's been incredible. The growth has been incredible. So, Brian, you've always been fascinated by real estate. Isn't that right? You grew up in Chicago's South Side. Yes. And as a kid, you would, I mean, you lived in the city of big shoulders. Isn't that what they call Chicago? <laughs> right? uh, I think so. I love Chicago. Um, it, you know, if you meet any Chicagoans, we go hard for our city. Not when we like live Boston. in the city. You're like yeah. Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Not when we're actually in the city. But as soon as we leave, we, we rep it really, really hard. Um, and so, you know, being from Chicago and I, I still remember my first time traveling downtown Chicago. Uh, I grew up on the south side and uh, I really realized there was a huge difference between what my neighborhood offered and what downtown offered. Um, so I was always curious to know why there were so many vacant buildings in my neighborhood. Why were why was the community blighted? Um, and how did how did we get here and why did downtown look so different? Uh, so that piqued my interest at a early age and it stuck with me until you know I became an adult. So I still remember the first time um, I seen my first skyscraper, uh, the the Willis Tower. Uh, we called it the Sears Tower growing, growing up, and ever since then, always had a, a interest in, in real estate. That's great. That's great. So today, folks, we're talking with Matthew Grande and Bryant Riley of Shift Capital, a real estate developer based in the Kensington neighborhood of Philadelphia. So, Matthew, what are some common mistakes you see newbie real estate investors and developers make, particularly now that you are, you know, immersed in training the next generation of of developers? It's a great question. Um, I think, for me, the two biggest things are underestimating kind of 
cost and schedule to complete a project. Um, I'll never forget kind of the first house that I bought. I worked with a contractor to renovate the house and a a dear friend of mine, when he saw that I was doing that, he warned me. He said, you need to put a 50% cost contingency in and a 100% schedule contingency. And I know that sounds like a gross exaggeration, but I think it's important to understand that like, if you are not making sure to mitigate any of those risks around cost and schedule, that is the, the, those are the two things that really derail a project. Okay. Yeah, um, I think just to add on to that, I think a lot of new real estate investors have a hard time getting started, right? So uh, they start and they want to say, and then they instantly get stuck on on what's the next steps uh, that they need to do in order to acquire their first property. Um, so I always say you can go get a pre-approval from a bank just to gauge how much you can afford, and then analyze a deal a day by looking at properties on on Zillow and Redfin. And just to give a quick tip and a, and a rule of thumb that real estate investors uh, use to do rehabs, they look for in in order to determine the purchase price. They usually say seventy uh, percent of the after repair value minus the the rehab cost should be your purchase price, right? So if you can analyze a deal by you can analyze a deal every day by just looking at properties on Zillow and Redfin and get it on a couple of wholesalers lists. Um, and you, you know, you make money on the, on the buy, not, not when you are ready to sell. Mm-hmm. So you have to build in that instant equity. That's great advice. So Brian, what is shift capitals investment criteria? What do you guys look for before pursuing, um, a commercial real estate project? Yeah. So I think we primarily look at three criterias when we are, um, investing in, in, in a neighborhood. Uh, one, we are thinking about how how close that neighborhood is to public transportation. Uh, so that's one of our criteria. The second one, we look at if the neighborhood is experiencing gentrification or we know that uh, they, the neighborhood would, would be next to be, to be experiencing gentrification. Uh, and then we also look for look at the community holistically and see what are the community stakeholders that currently exist in the neighborhood and how can we latch on to that and help benefit the community overall? Um, so those are our three plays that we look at when we're looking, when we're analyzing the investment criteria of a, of a neighborhood. So one of Shift Capital's marquee projects is the Macken? Macon. Macon. Macon Studios. Okay. So uh, Matthew, tell us about it. What is it? When was it built? And what has been the impact it has already had on the neighborhood? Great question. So Macon Studios was derived from Made in Kensington. Um, so the two buildings, Macon Studios North and Macon Studios South, we bought actually back in 2013. Um, they were primarily vacant and underutilized. So it took us about four years um, to complete the majority of the construction on both buildings. Um, so we finished both in 2017. Um, and right now, the Macon Studios North building is actually 100% occupied. So we have 61 studio spaces with an awesome um, kind of array of tenants, everybody from kind of single fine artists to multiple craftspeople that do everything from furniture to ceramics, um, a lot of photographers, we have videographers, painters. Um, so it's really just an incredible thriving community. And then also a bunch of nonprofits. So it's um, it's a very value-aligned kind of dynamic community. 
Um, in terms of in terms of mm-hmm. impact, right now, I mean, there's over seventy tenants in those two buildings that were you know that were not in this neighborhood in a material way years ago, and these were once empty spaces. So now we have over two hundred jobs that have been transitioned or created into the this neighborhood just via these two projects. Hundreds of construction jobs, which happen part time, kind of over the course of the construction life cycle. So. Um, and it's a very diverse community. So for us, it really has been the best example for us to date on how we can take something that was once underutilized um, and bring it back to a thriving community with a bunch of value aligned uh, partners. So I know it's, you know, it's it's kind of an awkward topic and, you know, maybe not to be spoken of in polite conversation. But, you know, how would you respond to criticism that Shift Capital is creating the change that will drive out long-term residents and drive up housing costs. Mm, this is a this is a tough one. Um, I'm, I'm going to uh, take a shot at this one. Um, I think, all, although our goal is to maintain affordability for the properties that we own and to create jobs in a community that has faced persistent disinvestment for decades now, we are fully aware that our progress. Uh, in the neighborhood can influence opportunistic developers to come in and jack up the housing costs. Uh, So the purpose of launching a program like Jumpstart Kensington is to help mitigate that. Uh, And so one of the best ways to stop long-term residents from being displaced is for them to own their homes, right? So home ownership is not only a way to build wealth, but land ownership overall shapes how culture is created in neighborhoods, and who gets to live where, right? And so Philadelphia in general, we know, is a majority minority city. And, you know, people of color here have faced wealth distraction due to redlining, restrictive covenants, uh, predatory lending practices, slumlords, et cetera. And so having programs like Jumpstart Kensington allows local re- residents to take back control over their neighborhood by becoming financial stakeholders. Uh, and and just one more thing regarding the Jumpstart Kinsey program, I think that it educates people, residents about real estate uh, so that they can make more informed homeowner decisions to mitigate their chances of being victims of, of predatory lending practices and being taken advantage of by opportunistic d- developers. That's great. So as, as a developer, if you could only have one thing as the outcome for a project, what would it be? Would it be affordability? Would it be yeah. new employment opportunity for local residents, but not necessarily affordable housing? Would it be preservation of the existing neighborhood's character? Yeah. What, do, what do you guys think about that? This is also a tough one. Um, I, I think that it's really hard to choose one. Um, and we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have to choose. Um, every person deserves a good job and a safe, affordable place to live. So until every Philadelphian has have have both we have a lot of work to do are you running uh, for office uh <laughs> not <at all. laughs> 2024 20, maybe chicago youth becomes philadelphia yeah. mayor, mayor yeah. <laughs> yeah i can see it i can see it huh, i like that ring yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yeah <laughs> Um, I think that, you know, in order to move the needle on social inequities that exist in the Harrogate neighborhood, um, we we can't just focus on one outcome. Uh, so creating affordable housing is not enough when you are unemployed or making close to minimum wage. And then creating jobs isn't enough if you don't have a clean and safe space to lay your head at, at night. Um, so all of these things are are interchangeably and our approach is holistic uh, because you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. 
And I think you can see this, our strategy kind of unfolded organically. So we start, the first thing we looked at were all of these big vacant industrial buildings. And a traditional real estate developer looks at those and says the highest and best use of this is condominiums, right? Residential condos. And for a neighborhood like that, that's not the need. More housing isn't necessarily the need. Um, jobs are the need. So we said, let's focus first on getting the industrial buildings back online as workspaces, right? So let's target those jobs first. And then once as we complete those buildings and we start to fill them up with new businesses, new kind of bringing more people into the neighborhood, then let's actually restore the commercial corridor so there are more amenities for the current residents and the folks coming into work in these neighborhoods then once we've kind of created this, you know, safe commercial corridor with amenities that the community wants and needs, then we can focus on actually removing some of the blight and bringing some of this housing back online, bring it back in a quality, safe, affordable way and and manage it, you know, intentionally and and with a supporting element for the folks that are living there. So So when you lay it out like that, it is so logical and it is so <laughs> rational. Right. Um, how have you guys been able to communicate to the community that, you know, your intentions are honorable? Um, how have you been? I, I know that the ambassador is mm-hmm. is one part of that, but can you talk a little bit more? Because I think it could be very instructive for other real estate developers who think that they're being transparent, who think that they're communicating. But the reality is the people that live in the community that have lived there for decades see, just see a group of outsiders coming in and changing things. Yeah, uh, I think one thing that we have been really good about is making sure that our team attends all of the community organization meetings within the neighborhood. Uh, That's something that we rolled out, I believe, last year. And that allows us to make concrete relationships with all of the community stakeholders, right? Uh, I think when you think about gentrification overall, regardless if Shift is doing good or not, when you are a real estate developer, nine times out of ten, if you're especially if you're not uh, if you're not a nonprofit, you will be accused of being a uh, gentrifier. Um, but we lean on our community stakeholders that we have relationships with, and they see us in the neighborhood, uh, and they see our commitment, and that allows them to to know that we're here for the long haul, and that uh, we're here to benefit the community long term. Yeah, and they see you guys as partners, not overlords. Mm-hmm. I think that, and that that partnership component is the biggest piece. And I think even going back to you know 2013, 14, when we got started in the neighborhood. You know, folks like Casey O'Donnell at Impact Services and his entire team, folks like Shannon Farrell at the Harrogate Civic Association, you know, those were folks that we had to convince that we were there, you know, and we were being intentional and we were being kind of community aligned and focused. So if we would have gone in and done all of this development without kind of starting those relationships and forming those relationships up front, then we would have gone way off path. We started with those relationships and they essentially, and they still are to this day, are guardrails, right? If, if they see something or they hear something that they don't feel like aligns with kind of the identity and mission and the values of the neighborhood, they tell us. Right, so, right. So this uh, is really interesting because Matthew, when, when you and I had a, a, a talk um, last week, um, one of the things that you told me was that you initially weren't a believer in the power of real estate to change communities and now you are a complete evangelist for this. So what what kind of shifted your thinking? Um, because I know you came from a very corporate business-like background, but as soon as you kind of um, hooked up with, uh, it's Brian? Brian right? Murray, yeah. yeah. 
So can you talk a little bit about your transformation and your thinking, shifting your think, the shift in your thinking? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think like folks that currently live in these neighborhoods, right, there is a cynicism or skepticism because unfortunately in a lot of contexts you see real estate development as a tool to displace, as a tool to gentrify, right? So when you are looking at cities where you've seen that happen, it's hard for you to see it, what the positive, you know, what a positive development um, strategy looks like. So when I first connected with Brian Murray, you know, Brian had worked in all of these different fields from accounting to the Peace Corps, to impact investing, to real estate. And kind of Brian's hypothesis was real estate can actually be the biggest lever for social change because it allows you to kind of create a safe, affordable place to live, mm. create a work, you know, a quality workspace that houses quality jobs, right? So you, if you can control that, you can create for an existing neighborhood rather than, you know, kind of displace and create something for folks that did not live in that neighborhood in the first place. So I think when I saw just this trajectory of, all right, let's listen first, let's focus on needs and let's develop in alignment with needs. I was like, this actually is very, very powerful. And when you look around the country and even around neighborhoods in Philadelphia, like once the opportunity is lost, it is very hard to claw back. Right. Right. So I think that is how it, what is really kind of sunk in is we have to do it early. We have to train local folks. We have to get the community involved early. And then we're never going to fully prevent gentrification, but what we can do is make sure the community is participating early on. Right, right. And it's a balanced development. Right. So not only is it location, 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 but it's relationship, relationship, relationship. 100%. Most definitely. And um, for our listening audience, uh, Brian Murray is the founder of Shift Capital, right? Yes. Great, great. So looking ahead, uh, Bryant, uh, what's your dream real estate project? Uh, I would love to leverage shipping containers uh, to help. This is actually quite funny. I remember seeing a um, post on Facebook and it showed shipping containers that uh, Amazon is selling for about eighteen to to twenty thousand dollars, right? And it's with this goal that you can leverage these shipping containers to create mini storefronts. Uh, so I would love to see shipping containers used to activate reactivate vacant lots. Uh, and that it can be a potential revenue driver for the city. Uh, it can help local entrepreneurs start businesses uh, and build, have a brick and mortar presence um, in in a neighborhood that that needs it, that needs more amenities and and um, more opportunity to see entrepreneurship through and through. So I would love to see that happen. It, so it sounds like the love child of a tiny home needing <laughs> a modular house. Yes, in, <laughs> but for a business. <laughs> So that's great. That's great. And for you, Matthew, uh, what real estate project are you currently working on that's really uh, exciting you? So I think the thing that excites me most is actually less about the real estate and once what we can do once we kind of have a thriving tenant community. So I look at those two things that we talked about focusing on, like giving someone a quality job, giving them a safe, affordable place to live. I look at once we have people with those things how do we help meet them where they are how do we help them find you know their next great job how do we find them help them kind of grow into their next great house so to me i think my dream real estate project is kind of part case manager part life and business coach 
like ingrained in those tenant communities. Cause think about it. Like you can help them with the real estate, but there's all of these other things in their life that they, you know, that they may need help with. So I think once you've developed that community, you can actually help folks kind of with that journey of their, of their personal and their professional lives as well. Um, but one of the things you mentioned to, to me offline was about the impact appraisal. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds really fascinating. Can you talk a little bit more about what that looks like and what that is? Sure. So this was something kind of just in the last, I'd say, six to nine months with all of this opportunity zone excitement and just kind of for the audience's edification, opportunity zones are a series of federally designated areas that um will be able to take advantage of kind of tax incentivized dollars coming in. So it, on the surface, it sounds great. It sounds right? great. So these are census tracts. These are population tracts that the government has designated as um, ideal for envir- for investment because they are economically challenged in some way. And it can be urban or rural. It's not just an urban thing. That's correct. Um So the idea is all of this capital is now kind of poised to flow into these neighborhoods. Unfortunately, at a federal level, there are no like guardrails from a social perspective or from an impact perspective. So although the program is intended to have all this positive change, if we don't put some um, kind of parameters around it, yeah, you know, it could it could serve as a tool to kind of mass gentrify rather than kind of build existing communities up. So We've taken what we've learned over the last couple of years, and we've looked at the traditional real estate appraisal, right? It's required for every project. It's required to kind of economically value the project. There is no equivalent from an impact perspective. So what we did was say, all right, let's create something that can happen alongside of that traditional real estate appraisal that can help ensure that the project developer um, is kind of acting in the best interest of the community. So mm. the appraisal evaluates the project sponsor, the community need, um, and the alignment to the community, the project itself, how they source partners and vendors, and then finally how they are going to exit the project. So we are now trying to roll that out both at the city and community level, but also with large kind of investors and funders um, to make sure as this money comes into these communities, we're putting some guardrails and making sure it's focused on on the impact that it's intending to have. That's great. So the idea being that in addition to the conventional uh, appraisal and inspection, that there would be um, either from the city level or the nonprofit level, some other entity asking developers to also do an impact appraisal. Is that the idea? That's exactly right. Cool. And I think you hit the nail on the head. So a lot of traditional developers aren't going to do this on their own, right? The Mm. funder or the community or even the city needs to say, you can't do an opportunity zone project without demonstrating this intention and Mm. how you're going to kind of satisfy this community's needs. That's really cool because I think it's kind of, it's laying the foundation for a good neighbor mentality, right? And for, and for accountability. So there's, um, you know, kind of setting all the cards on the table and, you know, if there's going to be any cold feet, then okay, you know, maybe uh, there's another part of the city that they could get their project done in the way in which they want to do it and not have to think about these things. That's so, exactly right. That's great. Um, so, for, so for folks who are interested in connecting with you guys and learning more about Shift Capital and Jumpstart Kensington, where can they find you online? 
Yeah, so for Jumpstart Kensington, you can actually... So if, if you are interested in becoming a real estate developer, um, you see the growth happening in the city, and you have no idea on how to get started, you can easily apply to our Jumpstart Kensington um, program at jumpstartkensington.org. Uh, we are we we help we host a cohort every quarter um so we have a rolling basis admissions process so you can go online and go to our website and uh, apply and you know we have a really great team that reviews each application and we really just look for people who are new to real estate um and who have some sort of positive want to have some sort of positive impact on the community uh so Definitely apply, and and I look forward to having your application. Great. The one thing I will add to that, and we are always looking for kind of established seasoned developers, contractors, um, and other kind of real estate services folks to come share their knowledge with our cohorts. So mm-hmm. there's also an opportunity at jumpstartkensington.org to apply to, to be a, a mentor or a teacher as well. Um, I think we are definitely trying to kind of con- cultivate this once you've learned all these tools, it's also your responsibility to continue to share these tools with kind of the next generation of developers. Well, folks, there you have it. Today we've been talking with Bryant Riley and Matthew Grande of Shift Capital and Jumpstart Kensington. It's been great having you both on the show today. I learned so much and I hope you guys will come back again because there's so much more we could talk about. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Alina. Thank you. Thank you. And so that's a wrap for another episode of the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. Remember, you can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or you can find past episodes on the Jumpstart Germantown website at jumpstartgermantown.com, where we have all the interviews we've done to date. That's it. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back next week with another great interview. Have a great weekend and I'll see you next time. Bye bye.